Welcome to the Healthy Dog Pod. My name's Ian and we have Sophie with us here today. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about uh, how to handle problem behaviours, unwanted behaviours. Last week we talked about the how the dog's brain works, mm-hmm. whether it's um, thinking and in a clear frame of mind for learning and making decisions, or whether it's been affected by uh, over-arousal, stress, fear, or anxiety, and the, the danger brain has kicked in. When we're looking at problem behaviours, what we're really trying to do, the first part of it, is working out what side of that brain is driving the um, the behavior of the dog i yep. mean i think it's a good point to raise that uh, a lot of dog behaviors just because they're unwanted just because they may be inappropriate to us they are completely appropriate to the dog yeah natural behavior yeah these are all dogs communicating exactly how they feel yeah um, we're going back to the theory of mind episode they're only communicating how they feel they're never trying to influence our emotions so they're never being spiteful vindictive or jealous or angry towards you know trying to influence our emotions they're never trying to um make us angry and they're not being stubborn that's a big one isn't it a lot of people like my dog is so stubborn so stubborn but we'll go through that that will probably fall into absolutely a bit of training yeah so with your problem behaviors it's either as you said inappropriate at the time for us or it's natural behavior um or alert behavior but sometimes they could also be doing that um, for comfort in a time of stress as well. That's it. I mean, it, 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 that could be an inherently rewarding behavior that, um, you know, such as uh, herding or digging or chewing. Those, those behaviors make release endorphins and make the dog feel better in that moment. Or it could be something that the dog has learned. And it could be a combination of both, you know. Like, yeah. Um, I think Tracy from AVBS, she explains this so well. Um, The more you repeat a behavior, the more learned it becomes. And she describes it like sand tracks. The more you go down that route, the more ingrained it becomes. And so ingrained in the brain. I've started to use that example after I heard her say it because I was like, yeah. And once you um, relate it back to human, humans, um, then people go, oh, yeah, I get it. Like sand tracks, you know. You're going to go down that route again. It's familiar. I know my way, I'm going to go it because that's that's the one I'm most comfortable with. No, mm-hmm. I'm not going off track. It scares me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, in the scientific way, they'll say it's synapses that fire together, wire together. So, Ooh, yeah. I, I like, like that. Yeah. So just, that, just write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> so talk us through a good example of a, um, a training problem. So, as you said, so a training problem when the dog's thinking clearly but deciding not to um, choose the owner or choose... Choose to be responsive. Um, yep, to the owner. So, so recall is probably the biggest one. Classic. Um, a lot of people say, you know, when you ta- when they take the dog out and they let them off leave, they never come back. So, it's either they're not motivated, they're not inclined to complete the behavior or something else is way more motivating for them yep. at that time. Yeah. So we need to make sure that... Um, so this, this is where I think a nice simple way of putting it is a training problem is where the dog is happy and comfortable and really yeah. under no influence of stress. No. But it And it's trying to achieve something at once. So whether it be, you know, like we would put it in that recall context, yeah. you know, I want to go and say hello to that other dog. Not, not for any other reason than I want to go and say hello. 
mm-hmm. or I want to go and sniff that bush or I want to steal something and, um, you know, steal something like a toy or food just because it's just because it likes it, it gets shits and giggles out of it and yeah. has a great time. Feels good probably too. But it just happens to be unwanted for us. Yeah. Yeah. And um, recall is where we, we would, I describe recall as simply in its, in its simplest form, the ability to communicate verbally with your dog. So when we've lost recall with our dog, it's no longer responsive. Yeah. So that's when people pull that stubborn word out. Yeah. Like, so stubborn. Yeah. Like, hang on a sec. Think about it. Okay. Are you more motivating? Is the park more motivating? Maybe there's too many dogs. Maybe it's too much stimulation for the dog. You know, maybe you have to go back to putting your dog on le- on a long lead. Yeah. And starting a little bit from the start again. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people as well stop treating their dog. Stop. Re- yeah. They've, they've trained it once. So yeah. now the dog is apparently robo dog, learns it for the rest of its life. But, um, and then people are going, I'm not going to take food anymore. It knows this behavior and I'm going to stop rewarding it. So, yeah. So it takes it to the park and goes, off you go, son. We've practiced recall six months ago. I don't, you'll I, be fine. I don't, you'll be great. <laughs> and then raising, raising questions as to why isn't it coming back? Yeah. I, I wouldn't come back if I didn't get paid. That's it. Mm-hmm. Explain that for me. Explain the payment. We use this a lot. Let's put that so, in context. So, you know, if you go to work and your boss just stops paying you, you probably are not going to do the work anymore or not go back. That's it. And the food rewards or whatever reward we're using for our dog is a payment for behaviors we want. So the more we pay them for behaviors we want, believe it or not, the more we see our dogs doing it. Let's speak about that for a second too, because so many people, especially in puppy school, they're like, I don't want to be treating my dog forever. I think that's a weird, weird concept. I don't, I don't want to reward my dog for what, what I want it to do. Okay. Well, what would you rather do and be a dictator? I mean, imagine you and a boss did that to you. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to come in and you're going to do exactly as you're told, but don't you dare ask for some money. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's it. And I think people in the, I've got a weird thing about rewarding their dog. It's almost seemed like cheating, like bribing. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's what they think. It's cheating or bribing. But it also depends what your dog wants, finds rewarding. So it could be a toy. It could be a pet. It could be a good boy. It could be a treat. Yeah. Anything. What shoots me is those dickheads that go, oh, you know, he should just know. You know, nah, he doesn't need treats. I, I've trained him within an inch of my life. Probably though, mate, out of correction. Your dog is probably too scared to bloody move. Mm. And they start bragging about it. That ain't a brag to me. Somebody starts saying that to me, you know, my, oh, my dog, you know, you never do that. And then, you know, you see their relationship and the poor dog has just stood there shaking. And he's like, oh, shit, can't move, can't move, can't move. Yeah. Old mate stood there bragging about it. I'm like, that is nothing to show off about. You've just, you've trained your dog out of fear. Kind of like learnt helplessness. Just dog's shit, just like shit way of owning a dog. Yeah, and running around and going now. Yeah, my dog's right next to me. Good on you. You've ruined his life. Well done. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's a bit frustrating when people are like I don't want to treat it. But then I explain, you know, intermittent reinforcement where you're treating it every so often. So you're not treating it every single time. But you can't do that unless the dog knows it, it. knows the behaviour. And is comfortable with it, then you can be like, okay, maybe every third time, I'll, oh, and then every sixth time. And then, you know, kind of like when you're at the pokies and you win every so often. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> you kind of got a gambling dog. But that's what you're doing. You're pretty much 
giving them treats every so often and that's it i think when people they see they've they've trained it they've conditioned it they've they've moved on they've moved away from consistent reinforcement consistently paying it to intermittent and then using treats in intermittently or re- rewards i always use the word treats because i use rewards a lot but um I think uh, when the behavior decreases, people take it personally and they go, mm. oh, my dog's being stubborn. Whereas I go, I just say, hey, in, go back to incentivizing the dog. Go go back to just actually giving it a reason to come back to you and listen. Yeah. And um, But don't get shitty with it. And, you know, of course your dog's not going to listen. Dogs are more interesting than you if you don't have food. It sees you every day. Oh, mate, in the park, running around, he's great fun. Of course he's going to choose you. Yeah. Dogs are self-serving animals. Go back to that theory of mind thing. They don't want to please you. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They just don't care. So when he's in the park, you know, this is where, let's talk about um, what affects learning. You know, when we're when we're talking about um, while we're training them, we call it the three Ds, um, distance, duration, and distraction. Now, We've talked already about being in the park, and the obvious one there is distraction. We put mm-hmm. the dog under. You, you can train your dog at home; it's nice and easy. Um, no distraction around it. Put the dog in the street; slightly more distraction. Yeah. Put the dog in the dog park; shit, loads of distraction. And people go, you know, he's he's eight weeks old. <laughs> better take him. Better take him out. Or might probably be older than that because the injections and what have you. But but still, a few months old, mm. and we're going to put this dog under a shitload of distraction and then tell it off for not coming back yeah i think that's really interesting too when people say oh my dog is so good at home but when i take him out he is a disaster shocking i mean i'm so surprised every time i hear that (laughs) (laughs) well think about the situation at home he's comfortable you've trained him at home limited distractions and and consistent distractions he knows what it is he knows what's coming whereas all that information outside is unpredictable. It's new and it's it's going to spike his adrenaline levels. Mm. Um, then we've got uh, distance. So, I mean, in the most simplest form, I think a way of putting this is the further away from your dog you are, the less motivating you are. Yeah. So don't let it run around like a goose and then get miles away from you and then call it. Call it back regularly. Just. Yeah, call it back regularly, but also... Um, you see sometimes a lot of people only call it back once and then they try and take it and the dog goes, oh, see ya, and just runs away. Yeah, yeah. It's like call it back regularly and even sometimes I get my clients to reach down and grab the collar and then be like, okay, go off. And reward it for yeah. coming back. and reward. Yeah. So come back, grab the collar, treat, off you go. Yeah, it knows that that bending over, taking the collar doesn't mean home time necessarily. Yeah, because then you get a dog that absolutely runs and you're never going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't chase it. Don't don't get in, <laughs> don't get in a race with the dog. They're faster than you. Definitely people chase. do this all the time. <laughs> and then finally, um, and I'm sorry, and just the reverse of that is um, the closer you are with the treat, the more tempting it is for the dog. Mm-hmm. So just keep it really simple. Keep re- recall. You know, when we and we're going to go into a bit of an episode about dog parks and recall, but yeah, um, probably two episodes. The big big topics, but um, when we go in there, we people tend to go, oh, you know, I've took my dog there to socialize. Whereas a few months old, you want to mix it up. You want to go and let them interact, but you also want to make sure that the communication patterns are maintained. Yeah. It's not one or the other. You're allowed to do, but you should be doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, and what have we said? We've distance, distraction, and duration. Mm-hmm. And duration is a, a funny one because 
it's um it's not always easy to predict because it depends on the other two well actually all three depend on the other two yeah um but um how the longer you're asking uh, the dog to complete the behavior the more likely it is going to fail yeah it's a, it's just it can't hold it forever and that's a really simple um way of looking at it you know your dog the longer it's in the park um the more likely it's going to do a ra- load of random stuff the longer you ask it to sit eventually it's going to have to stand up or lay down um when it comes to basic training a, a duration is um more of a probably a factor from the other end of the scale as in like when a stressor is holding on to it and how long that stress is impacting it but um but still you know on basic training for sit and lay down duration comes in um, yeah yeah i think the other thing is um going back on the park when people take their dog to the park i think they overdo it as well so there's always um in ndtf they always said no one more time a lot of people are like oh one more time oh we'll just oh they did really good that time one more time one more time and then it gets dragged out and the dog's like i'm done yeah that's it i think um i I would normally put that in a way of um you know we we always when a training session's going really well you're like oh he's doing so well today yeah, one more time <laughs> just do that one more time yeah end on a good note end on a good yeah note. end on a good note um because if you get frustrated and your dog gets frustrated it's good for nobody yeah yeah that's right i think um while we're at it you know um we've touched on it already in a couple of episodes but while we're talking about training problems and we're talking about recall mm-hmm. i always um, i'm going to go into a little bit more about recall and because it ties in with um can you say no to your dog yeah and um for me i think there's like i say it's, it's the ability to communicate verbally with your dog um and for me there's five elements five really key basic uh cues to give your dog and they are come here so that's the it's probably the epitome of recall is getting the dog to come back to you pardon me um don't cough um We've got go over there, and that would be something like target training, like go to your bed, um, you know, go outside the door and just hit that target. Um, you've got uh, stay, and for me, stay is the one that I teach first. Actually, getting the dog to stand still long enough to be able to pay attention to anything without running after it is so helpful. Yeah. Um, a release. So once we've got stay, we can teach her, okay, go. And then finally, the fifth element isn't really a uh, cue to do something. It's actually my interrupter. It's to stop the dog doing something. Um, so it's an attention grabber. It, it puts me in a position to use one of the other four. And when we're saying, can you say no to a dog? I honestly think that we need to be able to interrupt our dogs. It's, it's um, when the dog is tra- in a training frame of mind, it's thinking and it's happy. We need to be able to go whatever word we use, whether it's a whistle, a clap, a no. I mean, people use no way too much, but no is meant to be just an interrupter, not just no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I usually say, ah, uh-uh. Yep, ah, uh-uh. You know, their name, any any name in the world is pretty much just an attention grabber. Yeah. If somebody goes, hey, Ian, I'm like, what? It's got my attention. <laughs> Whereas if somebody goes, hey, Ian, and this is, this is what we do to our dogs, we go, hey, Ian, 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 Ian. Well, you're not explaining anything to me, mate. What, what the bloody hell do you want? Yeah. So... That's what I mean. An interrupter is an attention grabber. And that puts me in a position to be able to teach again. 
And when when we're handling problem behaviours, really, really, what we need to focus on is what would we rather the dog do instead? And so when we see a dog completing a behaviour we'd rather not see, Mm -hmm. so a problem behaviour, we can interrupt it and then use one of the other four to create what we'd rather and then reward that. So simple, but um, we tend to just concentrate on the don't, don't, wait, pack it in, stop it. Um, they're all interrupters. Yeah. But we never explained. We never explained what the do- what we want from the dog, and that's where it can become here. It could be go to bed or go over there. Let's and or stay. Just stand still for two seconds, mate. Can't breathe. Yeah. And remember, you're not rewarding the behaviour that they were doing. That you it was unwanted because their brains moved on. Yeah. So if you're like, uh, uh-uh, grab their attention. Okay, come over here. Sit. Treat. You're rewarding that behaviour. Paying them. I think a lot of people think they're rewarding that naughty behavior yeah because we hold on to shit we go we we still hanging on to the fact that because we've got a negative bias mm-hmm. and um dogs do as well but that's for another day but we've got um we've got a negative bias so we notice all the bad things that are happening to us uh, to the dog and we're going oh shit he's running off the road he's running away from me he's running away from me and even though he's come back to you our, our sense of stress is we're still holding on to that and we've got to move on because the dog's come back and we and how many, i mean i've seen it so many times dog runs away Owner's like, Benson, Benson, <laughs> screaming at the dog to come back. And when he comes back, he whacks him on the nose. Why yeah, the bloody hell would he come off. back a second time? Yeah. No. That's a massive one I see all the time. They come and they're like, oh, you are so naughty. You ran away. And the dog's like, oh. you're an idiot, mate. Just come right back to you. Not doing that again. I'm going to go back to that road. Things were moving really fast. That was loads of fun. <laughs> Benson! <laughs> isn't that Fenton? Is it Fenton or Fenton? Yeah, I completely fucked it, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, well. Fenton! <laughs> we will add the link to that. It's a pretty bloody funny video. <laughs> um, so, when we're handling uh, training problems, um, just to recap nice and clear, we, we can interrupt. We can. We're, I think we're allowed to disagree. Um, yeah. We don't want to redeem owners powerless by not being able to say no um because people will get so frustrated oh my god i just keep i can't i can't i just can't keep up with this dog and we see it all the time where people are just trying to please the dog all the time i feel like actually as long as an owner um really comes to terms with what what their own tolerance levels are and being okay with that and going you know i don't actually i get i start to feel uncomfortable when my dog uh is 10 meters away from me so I'm going to call it back at seven every time so that I stay under my threshold. There's nothing wrong with that. That's your threshold, mate. Go for it. Yeah. Don't feel bad about that because nobody takes the dog out to feel like shit and feel like really stressed because your dog's 11 meters away. <laughs> or d- jumping up on the sofa. Dog wants to jump up on the sofa. Fair, fair play to the dog. But if you don't want it, train the dog. You're allowed to disagree. You know, train the dog to use his bed more often. Don't ch- just yell at the dog every time he jumps on the sofa. Know your own boundaries. I think that's really key to dog ownership because there's so much shit out there about myths about how you're not allowed to let your dog do this and you're not allowed to let your dog do that. It's nothing to do with what anybody else wants. It's your house, your dog, your you know you're allowed to communicate what you want. Create a relationship where you know what you like. Listen to your dog so that you can see what he likes and what he doesn't, and be normal. I think that's the hardest thing about dog ownership is it's kind of the same with children, and there's so many opinions on. You know, how you should raise them, how you should walk them, how you should do this. You shouldn't feed them this. You shouldn't do that. Mm. And all this goes on. 
<clears throat> and I think that's very overwhelming for people, especially when they. Um, Did you see uh, down in Melbourne? I think it was. Um, I think it was down in Melbourne. Um, um, where were we? It was a few weeks ago now. Um, but it was uh, one of the local councillors was starting to bring in, wanted to bring in a law. He needed to get a license to get a dog. And I think that's real dangerous territory, to be honest, because yeah. old mate is, uh, he's nothing to do with dogs. He just happens to be a dog owner that's also a politician. And yet he wants to bring in the law. You're not the one, mate. You're, you're an idiot. You, you've got your own, um, your own standards that are based on your maybe owning three dogs in your life. Yeah. Um, they're, you're not the person that's meant to bring that into the council. That's, that's, that's horseshit. I think the hardest thing with that too would be, like, if I had a license, not that I would, but I could. No, I wouldn't give you one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, like, you could just give it, buy a dog and then give it to someone else. Like, what's stopping you there? I think we really need to think about education more than the license Absolutely. system. Absolutely. Education around um, this, why we're doing this, is the health of the dog, the health of dog ownership in general. And really just letting people know that, you know, there is no set in stone way of owning a dog. You know, there's, there's, um, and I think I've said, I'm going to, I say this every day. So I've probably said this on previous episodes. I'm definitely going to say it again. You know, for me, you get, you get a dog to make yourself and your dog happy. And the only way you can really do dog ownership wrong is if you're consistently doing things that stress you or your dog out without trying to make them better. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't involve correcting them because that's still causing stress on you and the dog because nobody wants to walk around going, I get it. Like, how how much does it shit you when people are walking their dog off lead and they just, you know, one, I mean, we've got to have a whole other thing of dogs approaching dogs off lead, but what gets me is when the owner starts telling the dog off for walking off, when he's not, he's got a lead in his hand and he hasn't strapped it onto the dog and the dog's getting yelled at every 10 seconds, like, wait, come here. I saw this today. I honestly saw this today. I was walking on the other side of the road. Because this dog was off lead and I had um, a dog who gets a little bit overexcited, overstimulated. And um, she was like, okay, let's go. And she was walking and the dog wasn't following. And she's like, oi, come on. And he was smelling on the grass. And then she's like, kept walking. And then she's like, oi, come on. And it still didn't follow her. So she had to walk back and put the lead on and then walk it. Why is it off? I don't get it. It's like, what? It's an ego thing for me. Like, again, it goes back to the ones that are just like, oh, yeah, my dog can walk off lead. Why? Because it can't walk on lead? Probably. Exactly. Probably, because you haven't trained it in the first place. I hear that all the time. I want my dog to walk off lead, and I say, why? Or because, and then I, I go, can it walk on lead? No. There you go. It's an ego thing. People want to be able to tell other people that they can do it. But it's a safety net, and there's so many times where I've pulled out of driveways that I've nearly hit dogs because they're off lead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I saw, um, there's a great um, picture, uh, of, I think it was on Facebook, Rose Bay Vet, um, just a cover photo, and leashes save lives. I mean, look, I know they can be, you know, you don't want your shoulder pulling out and things like that, but train your dog, Tra- train, train your dog and it won't do that. Um don't just bring a dog into life and expect it to know what to do and then blame it for getting it for, for not knowing what to do. Yeah. Train, train your dog and it won't pull on the leash. Um, listen to your dog's stress levels and it, you won't flood it. And, you know, I think uh, we're going to have to talk 
little bit about um, hyperarousal and overstimulation because that happens all the time as well. And that's another reason why dogs aren't listening. Mm-hmm. It's when, um, when the dog's brain gets flooded and the arousal level goes up, their ability to process information goes down. Um, and today we're going to talk real top level on it because I think it's uh, such a big one that we're probably going to go into this, uh, how to handle dogs that are affected by fear, stress and anxiety. But um, today we're going to focus on hyperarousal and just overexcitedness. The dog, if the dog is overexcited, um, settle it down and make it comfortable again. Because that uh, positive stress impacts the brain the same way as negative stress. It's still not choice. I can't, <laughs> I can't switch my brain on to suddenly feel overexcited. Yeah. So don't don't just tell it off. Don't, you're probably the one that either interacted with it to the point where it's gone a bit mental or taken it out and put it in a situation where it's got too much to cope with. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't whack it. Don't check it on the lead. It's not its fault. Didn't choose to be there. And um, instead, again, people go, oh, I can't use food and I can't use praise and positive reinforcement in the, when the dog is mis, uh, misbehaving. Well, like I say, it, it didn't choose to be there. So it's your job then to rescue it and make sure it's in a situation where it can um, hear you. So grab something that motivates the dog, like food, like pats, like some eye contact, and start communicating. Mate, can you sit? Good boy. And start rewarding it for sitting. Yeah. Because all you're really trying to do is reduce the arousal level. You don't want to shock it into it with a big check on it around its throat. Like, that's not reducing its arousal level. That's creating fear out of, of movement. And that's that's a horrible way of living for your dog. So... Grab the food, put it in front of its nose, and ask it to sit. And as it starts to unwind, start to up the amount you pay it. And the dog starts to go, oh, right, okay, I can sit. Okay, God, I can breathe. Oh, bloody hell, what are you saying? Oh, you're saying sit. You're saying good boy. I can hear you now. My arousal level has come down to a level where I can process information. You haven't made it want to go overexcited. Again, you can't, can't pay anybody to suddenly switch their brain into the wrong gear yeah it's not choice but again people freak out um oh, i think i'm worried about rewarding that behavior and um yeah you're not yeah. rewarding that behavior it's a different going back sorry it's the difference between a training problem and a behavior issue yeah and i always um tell my clients when you are in that situation exactly that ask your dog to sit can they hear you yeah can you hear me can you process the information yeah can you complete the behavior can you settle into it because if they can't, then... We've put them in a situation where they're compromised. Yep. So create your distance or take them out of the situation. Up the frequency of reward. Give yep. them a better reason to choose you. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes back down to um, training methods of... You, so many people punish the dog. They blame the dog for not being able to do it. And um, whereas if people were actually listening to their dog in the first place, yep. um, they would probably not have taken the dog that far that deep into that situation or the other thing that they do is use a ball yeah i've seen yeah, that before yeah, yeah overstimulated oh we'll throw the ball yeah i had a i've been having a chat now for about two weeks with um with a a dog i was gonna say a dog on instagram is that's because <laughs> it's that's the uh, it is a dog on instagram <laughs> Love it when people talk through about their dogs uh, through that person, through, you know through the individual. What is so funny is sometimes I'll be walking and I'll be like, "Oh, is that 
blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I follow your dog on Instagram. What? All the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Get, um, I think more people know my dog than me. It's great. <laughs> I like it that way. But um, no, sorry. This dog was um, in the park every day playing fetch. And we're going to go again. We've got a whole new talk to talk about when it comes to dog parks. But what was happening was this dog was um, being trained to hold its attention through the ball. But then every time... It, what the, what they're using is such a highly arousing, highly stimulating thing that the dog didn't actually have a set on. It just was distracted. Mm. And the, if you hold on to that ball for two seconds, it's going to bark at you. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to do all these really exaggerated behaviors that just until you throw the ball again, because it's not thinking. It's not in a, a training frame of mind. And an indicator to that is, can you throw the ball and your dog not fetch it? It's acting on reflex. So it's not thinking, it's not trainable in that moment. It's um, You can train it under pressure to, to, to finally go and get something, but we're talking about pet dogs. We're not talking about dogs um, that are, you know, training to bring down um, like attack dogs and things like that. We, we want these dogs to be thinking. Like I think uh, so many training methods uh, really do involve the dog going so hyped up that um, they're no longer thinking, they're completely reflexive. And um, how many times have I said it to you? Like, we, nobody calls us because they can't rev the dog up. Yeah. They just, they spend so much time revving them up, revving them up, revving them up. And then one day they go, bloody hell, we will not stop. Wonder why, mate. You never you never trained him to. Yeah. you Like, don't get us wrong. You can rev your dog up, but you need to be able to calm your dog down. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We've got to, you know, when we're training, we, it's all about stop, release, stop release yeah. stop release but nobody likes to do, introduce the stop yeah it's like throwing the ball as you said okay throw the ball stay go get it yeah or even you know can you choose can you come back to me yeah throw can, the ball come here here's the treat now yeah. go get the ball yeah make him think like, yeah get the dog making a decision rather than acting on reflex mm. i think that's such a beautiful thing to see and and training your dog to be able to communicate while highly aroused, while while really stimulated, it's bloody hard. Yeah. But it's so good to see. It's such a good relationship because mm-hmm. you see two individuals truly interacting with each other and just going, you know what, this is the best. I'm listening to you. Every Everything we say, I'm going to just do it because I love doing it. Yeah. And that's such a nice, nice relationship. Yeah, it's nice. Whereas, Fenton, got it by that time. <laughs> Fenton, it's just, there's nobody having a good, well, the dog's having a great time. Yeah. But, you know, old uh, old mate chasing him through the fields isn't, so. Can we go back to ball throwing? Yeah. Are we allowed to go back to that? We can. <laughs> I know we're we are going to do a whole podcast on this. <laughs> okay. Because this is. Um, it's just a massive, it, uh, it came up the other day on my um, Facebook as well, how many injuries it's causing to yeah, ball throwing? Yeah, hips, uh, yeah. Hips, legs. We're, we're going to get a vet in to talk about this yeah. because um, it's something we see. Well, the vet they see so much more than us. But oh, yeah. um, you know, ball throwing in dog parks is not a social behaviour. No, it's a dog just being compulsive. It's like putting a bear that's only ever lived in a cage in, in amongst another bunch of bears and expecting it to be able to be social. It's been on a behaviour loop for the last however long. Mm-hmm. It's not interacting with others. But, you know. And they don't know when to stop either. I think that's the biggest thing is we keep going, going, going. And that's where injuries can, yeah, can the, arise. Yeah, it to. goes back down to culture of dog ownership. Like, um, tie your dog out and he'll be happy at home. No, 
keep your dog really comfortable and settled and you'll never have that issue in the home in the first place. Yeah. You don't need to... Exhaust uh, them. Yeah, and drain their energy through actual uh, just massive adrenaline hits. Imagine if somebody did that to me every day. I mean, <laughs> just it'd be the worst. Just a massive adrenaline hit every single day. I know that I can't cope with that. Like, I don't know why we expect dogs to be able to. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so this does lead us on to clearly a few more topics, and we're gonna we're gonna keep each podcast nice and short and sharp because uh, for that reason, um, so that we're nice and clear about and we don't uh, convolute everything. But um, did you want to quickly touch on um, anxiety, or do you want to? No, I think that's definitely for um, definitely for when the danger brain's active. Cool. Um, that that that's a whole. That's a whole topic in itself where, um, because it's not choice. Today was all about when the dog's thinking and we're able to train it next week and what we can go through. I think it'd be really good to talk about how to handle problem behaviors that are driven by stress, fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Because when the danger brain's kicked in and there isn't really a place to say no in that. Yeah, that's very true. Very different. And um, what we're going to try and do is really... Uh, off the back of that really differentiate between for everybody to see what they're actually looking for so they can determine which uh which one of the two types of problem behavior they're looking at at the time because it's uh the problem behaviors can be similar but the the way we handle it and the reason why it's happening in the first place are completely different so um keep listening guys i was gonna say something else sorry go on <laughs> I, I was just gonna ask um because sometimes, or when I first started as a trainer, you know, I would go in, you'd teach the sit, stay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> and I didn't really know I'd have to, you know, learn about problem behaviors and tackling that mm. until I started doing consultations where I was like, hang on a second, training isn't just the be on end all. You need to be able to go through problem behaviors as well. But then I was just going to ask you, sometimes the lines are a bit blurred there. Sometimes yeah. there's a training that can lead into a problem behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Which part? Um, sorry, I think just done to recap on that, that's great. Because I think so many people, even if they call us and go, hey, we just want some basic training because uh, we want our dog to be able to sit and stay and lay down. Our team on the phone will go, yeah, that's it definitely help you with that, but why? And yeah. inevitably there's some problem solving to do. Because dog training, I've said it so many times, is bloody useless unless we use it in real life. Yeah. And training the dog to sit and stay and lay down and come here is really, really useful. But what we want to know is why is your dog not doing it? What situation are you putting your dog in? Because I honestly believe prevention is so much better than cure. Learn it, set set yourself up for a win by training your dog with nice, go back to your three Ds, train your dog using um, under short durations, under minimal distraction. And what's the third one? Duration. No, duration, distance, distance. (laughs) And and with with him really close. Yeah. And, um, but people don't ring us, like like we said at the start, you know, he won't come back in the dog park. Yeah. Okay. Now we know why we're training those things and then we can actually talk about it because basic training is basic. Yeah. I 
Um, just going back on prevention too. I think my favorite prevention um, is teaching leave it. I think that's a great one. And then if they do take it, out it, and then that's your... Yeah, like drop it. Give yeah. It up. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, leave it is probably your version of the interrupter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I've uh, been doing this a long time and I actually find that um, leave it and no are essentially the same thing, but they're worded, one's worded really, really nicely um, and one's not. And <laughs> I never you, thought about it like that, well, but it's it true. Back, it comes back down to your client. Yeah. So, so if some, if your client really wants to, is quite softly, softly spoken and gentle, then a leave it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But um, say you've got some really a client that's really at the end of their tether, and you're and you're asking them to go leave it, they're gonna get real shitty. Yeah. And people, and it depends. There's no right or wrong to that. You are essentially trying to threaten the same thing, though. But, yeah, that's true. But understanding that uh, where your clients at and their tolerance level, their communication patterns, you know, what, how do they like to communicate with their dog? The language around it, I, I, I always joke, like, you, you, we, we're saying it in English. You know, we're saying the word, in, in, interrupter in English. Drugs are trained all around the world in different languages. It doesn't matter what you say. You can say banana. That is Don't give a, shit. a massive point because so many people think their dog can understand English, like everything they're saying. And that's what I say. I say, well, what about other countries? Mm. What about deaf dogs? Yes. Yeah, there's, um... You know, this is this is a whole new, a whole other topic again. This if I had a dollar for every time you said that, I'd be bloody rich by now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'd like to stick to the point. <laughs> As I said last week, we're really good at not talking about what we're meant to talk about. <laughs> Somebody's divulging, digressing even way too much today. <laughs> I just need to get everything out, you know, you just pops up in my head. Well, this is great because that means we've got plenty more episodes to keep talking about, doesn't it? <laughs> See? Look I what know. I'm doing. I love it. Love your work. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. We'll be we'll be here next Monday then. We've yeah. got more to talk about. Every Monday. Well, we're recording every yeah. Monday. <laughs> God. Guys, so thank you so much for listening. Obviously, so many more things leading on from today's conversation. As always, uh, we want to hear your opinions. Give us your questions. Uh, tell us if you think we're stupid. Um, <laughs> it'll will. happen somebody will That's we're right. prepared for this <laughs> yeah we're ready um, but no lovely to hear from you as always and uh, links in the bio underneath the video and uh, remember guys a healthy dog's a happy dog Woo. and that was the pod the healthy dog pod